Welcome to the Athletics of Business, a podcast about how the traits and behaviors of elite athletes and remarkable business leaders frequently intersect. The real stories and hard lessons to help you level up your leadership and performance. Now your host, Ed Molitor. Welcome back to another episode of the Athletics of Business podcast. I am your host and CEO, the Molitor Group, Ed Molitor. Now we've done hundreds of these episodes on the Athletics of Business podcast for years. And I've had some incredible guests, including my own father, a number of times. But I'm going to tell you this. Today's episode is as special as it gets, as we are fortunate enough to introduce our newest leadership performance coach and newest member of the Molotor Group family, Kate Leahy. And let me give you a little bit of context before we jump into this episode. Kate and I first connected as she was a client of mine in the 90-day leader and role coaching program. Uh, she was a second-line manager for any incredible client of ours. And I could tell from the very first call, from our first Zoom call, why I had heard the things about Kate that I'd heard, why she had the reputation that she had, why her people loved working for her, why others from other teams wanted to work for Kate Leahy, just as genuine and caring as they come. And she has a sincere interest in the success and the growth of the people on her team. And it just resonates when you listen to her talk inside of our conversation here. The last 17 years, Kate has worked at Genentech and Dante in various sales capacities. The last 10 years in leadership positions, including frontline and secondline management, overseeing 20 managers and sales reps in her most recent position. You know, she's been incredibly, incredibly consistent with the results. She doesn't want me to talk about her awards, so I won't, but I will tell you this. She has extensive experience, and this is why she is just incredible, valuable piece to the success that we continue to have here at the Molitor Group. She has extensive experience in building and motivating teams, strategic planning, individual accountability, performance management, critical conversations, and mentorship of emerging managers. And her true love of coaching has led her here. And we're going to talk about how she ended up here with the Molitor Group. She had such a great position with people she loved. What was it? Like, what was it that made her walk away from a senior area sales director role with a group of people that she cared so much about. And honestly, when you listen to her story, you'll hear the struggle in her voice and you'll hear the process that she had to go through and what she was going through is something many of us go through in our professional personal lives. And it's not about finding the balance. It's about finding the alignment and making the right choices for the, the key stakeholders in your life. Now, I don't want to drag this introduction out anymore, but I'm going to touch on this. One of the other things that really connected me with Kate was this, you know, my affinity for teachers and coaches. And when Kate's career as a softball player finished at Assumption University and she received her degree, she went on to teach high school English and field hockey and basketball. And that's what she is. She truly is a teacher and coach at heart. And that's what makes her so special. Incredible family person. Her husband, Tim, just one of the salt of the earth guy, one of the most rock solid humans. I've enjoyed some wonderful conversations with him. Two children are absolutely at the center of our universe, Jackie and Mikey. And, and that's it. And we'll talk a lot about that. And, and here's a couple of the other things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about why the brand, the athletics of business, and the mindset, the athletics of business really resonated with her. We're going to talk about some incredible stories here in this piece. What mentors, coaches, managers, and leaders had a significant impact on your coaching style beliefs, and behaviors, okay? On, excuse me, what mentors, coaches, managers, and leaders had a significant impact on her coaching style, beliefs, and behaviors. 
And then we're going to dive into why she puts such an emphasis on enjoying what she's doing, who she's doing it with and for, and why it's so significant to find the fun in the day to day. And then finally, we're going to talk about her leadership style. I want you to get to know her, how she is coached, how she coaches now, what her areas of strengths are, what excites her about joining the Molitor group. So listen, as I tell you often, get a pen and pad of paper out. There's some incredible content here, some things to share with your team. Could not be more fired up to introduce you to Kate Lee. Hey, it is so great to have you here on the Athletics of Business podcast. I know this has been a long time coming, but not only am I excited to have you on the podcast, I am thrilled to announce you as the newest member of our family. God, it sounded like I adopted a dog there. The newest member of our family. Oh, now, to have, <laughs> yeah, I know, to have you as a part of the model group. I mean, as a leadership performance coach, it is absolutely amazing. So welcome. Ed, thanks for having me. I know it's been a, a long time coming for the podcast, but I'm happy to be here and even happier to be a part of the Molitor Group. So thank you. Yeah, we're going to have some fun and do some amazing work. In in the intro, I prepped, I prefaced, put into context your journey briefly for the listener. But some, especially inside your industry, such an amazing journey, your trajectory, and you decided to walk away from a senior area sales director role when you were working with people that you truly cared about loved, you enjoyed being with, and the story and the authenticity and how sincere the struggle with making that decision is, is quite remarkable. Could you walk us through that? Yeah. For starters, it was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make personally and professionally. And it was a process. I'll call it a process um, and a long one at that. You know, I think, to be frank, the reason that I made the decision that I made was to fully prioritize my family and focus on my two young kids. I have a almost seven-year-old and a five-year-old, and they are amazing little kids. And they're starting to get busier and busier. And I don't, I, I didn't want to miss anything. And, you know, I think with a few months of perspective under my belt, it's the best decision that I've I've made thus far. So it's hard now because the ages, the ages they're at, they're yeah. starting to realize when mom's back on the road she's not at a game or a school of or something like that. I have to think that played into it a little bit. Oh, it definitely did. You know, I kind of thought, you know, once they were in school full time, things would get easier and it's exactly the opposite. So that certainly played into it. And um, just to kind of hit on the second part of your question, you know, my career in, in biotech has been a huge part of my identity, a major source of pride for me. You know, over the past 17 years, I have been so fortunate to work for two amazing companies. I've gained incredible experience. And most notably, I've been surrounded by really talented, great people. I think that's what made the decision really hard. When I think about it and going through the process, you know, I had to have the conversation with Mary Beth Howard, who is my manager at the time. And usually the anticipation of those conversations is is much harder than the the result, right? And you know, she's a dear friend of mine, somebody that I admire very much. And she kind of knew where things were personally for me with with my family and whatnot. And um, when I went to her, she couldn't have been better about my decision and more supportive. You know, I really, really thank her for that. You know, and then I was managing an incredible group of managers for the last year or so. You know, I've been in leadership roles for the past 10 years, the past year, you know, I've been managing managers and that's truly been my favorite role. 
And it was just really hard to walk away from them. We had really grown close. We built some some great teams together. And that was the hardest part of walking away, for sure. So you just said something that I for sure want to bring up, and that's managing managers. And it was a favorite part of your job. I want to come back to the leading leaders and what you yeah. loved about it. Okay. Yeah. But I remember back in 1998, not to date myself, we were let go at Texas A&M as coaching staff. Our head coach was let go, right? But let's door hit your butt on the way out. And I remember, I will never forget the feeling of what now, what next, okay? mm-hmm. because I had attached my complete identity to being a college basketball coach. I mean, you've been on this run here for a while, so I have to think that your identity was somewhat, if not really attached to what you did and who you mm-hmm. did it with who you, or who you did alongside. Was that hard? Oh, yeah. I had had many conversations with my, as honestly, it, it probably was a six to nine month process for me to to come to a decision. You know, and in many ways, I was disappointed in myself, just to be candid. I felt like I should be able to have this career in biotech and be fully present for my family. And I think what I've learned and, and you know, what we all know is when two parents are working high demand, full-time jobs, it just becomes increasingly hard to have that work-life balance and I felt like sometimes I was coming up short at work and then coming up short at home. And, you know, when it came right down to it, I said to myself, I'm like, the one place I certainly can't come up short is at home. And, you know, that's ultimately what led me to the decision that, that I made. You had mentioned that Tim and you had, had a lot of conversations. And what I think is really cool, I mean, I've been so fortunate to get to know you too. And, and my wife and I had so much fun when we were out in Boston having dinner and a ton of laughs. But what was really cool about Tim, which what is really cool about Tim and, and your relationship is that you do lean into each other and you do talk about things, but he never, from my perspective and the conversations I had with Tim, we've had with you, he never said, no, Kate, you've got to get out of it now. Like he yeah. knew you were struggling with the process. He knew that you absolutely loved what you did, but he also knew how much you valued the family and you put that yeah. before everything. Pretty cool that you guys are able to do that. Yeah. I won't tell him this. No, he's the best guy I know. What he said to me was, this is going to be your decision. I'm happy to talk through this with you at nauseum. It's been a really important part of your life for a really long time. And he's been fully supportive of my career always. And, you know, I think that's what was great about him. I mean, when I think about it, Tim is a really smart, uh, sophisticated guy. But I think what really helped me in our conversations was his perspective. He has the perspective of somebody that I, I feel like is is much older and more experienced than him. And he was able to always kind of provide that perspective for me when I would kind of explain what's going on and this is how I'm feeling and you know this is what I'm struggling with. So I'm lucky to have him as my partner in that regard for sure. So it's been how long now since you walked away? So I resigned in August, just about three months. Yeah. So this is right about the time when regrets can start kicking in, right? Kids are back at school. Tim's super yeah. busy. Here you are. Any regrets? No. Honestly, I was petrified that I was making the wrong decision when I finally made the decision. But the time that I've been able to spend with my kids and be fully present at home, I've had the opportunity to volunteer at their school, go on field trips. And you know, as I've shared kind of this journey with you, the week after I resigned, I found out that my dad, his cancer had returned after about 20 years. And 
he was about to kind of embark on some pretty challenging treatment. And when we found that out, it it almost solidified my decision because I certainly wanted to make sure I was there for somebody that's always been there for me. And we got great news yesterday. Um, so things are moving in the right direction. I won't go into that, but that's great. No, I it, it's amazing news, kind of on cloud nine with that. But I think the decision that I made to prioritize my family. And and when I say my family, I need my kids and my husband, but also my my parents. It was the right decision. Yeah, I've never asked this question, which is really odd to me. What about your dad when you decide to walk away and your mom? Because you respect them so much and you have such a great relationship with the two of them. What were their thoughts about that decision? I think my, my dad was kind of shocked at first. He, of course, would support any decision I made and my mom as well. And they've helped me tremendously with my kids when I've traveled and kind of just Tim and, and myself balancing our, our jobs. But I think he was surprised because he knew how much it meant to me and he knew how hard I had worked to get to where I was. But at the same time, I think, you know, he trusted that I, I was making the right decision at the time for, for my family. So, And I know that means a lot to you, right? Like the fact oh, no. In our early conversations, and I guess we should back up, I had the unique, the amazing opportunity to work with you in a, in a coaching relationship, yeah. loved our time together. We connected immediately. It was not an easy time for you. There was a lot of change going on, a lot of growth. There's a lot of different things happening, a lot of moving parts, and you were very open. You were very vulnerable. You were very real. We shared a lot of stories, asked a lot of questions, spent a lot of time, and you had mentioned to me, you're like, the athletics of business just resonates with me. Can you talk through like what was it about the athletics of business mindset that resonated with you? Yeah. So I think, you know, mindset is absolutely the right way to put it. It resonates with me for a lot of reasons. I think to quote you, sports is a microcosm of life, right? And it's been very formative in my life. And I believe that so much of what you learn and experience in sports it's kind of, in a way, useful tools that you can use in business and life. I mean, the fundamental concepts that you learn in sports, I mean, think about them. Work ethic, discipline, trust, communication, strategy, execution. I mean, to name a few, you could go on and on. In my experience, if you lead with those fundamentals, you're going to be successful. That's really why it resonated with me. And I mean, secondarily, sports has been a huge part of my life for so long. And it's in many ways why I am who I am. I feel like a lot of my experiences in sports have, have really molded me into who I am today. I mean, you know, my parents sacrificed to really give my brother, sister, and I a great upbringing. Sports were always big growing up. My brother, my sister, myself, my dad, we all played collegiately. My husband's family, I mean, my husband played professional baseball for seven years, a huge competitor. His sister, great athlete, currently coaching Division II field hockey. And um, his dad and his and, brother- And doing a heck of a job of it too, by the way. She's doing an incredible job. No, she's the best. My brother-in-law and my father-in-law, sports medicine physicians locally. So I mean, sports, it's just huge for us. And I started playing at a young age. So in college, I majored in English and secondary education to become a teacher and coach. As a matter of fact, I don't mean to interrupt you, but as a matter of fact- you didn't just jump right into the biopharma space and in, in, in that profession right out of college. You became a teacher and a coach at the high school level, did you not? Correct. I did. Yeah. And my education was 
not in the sales capacity. It was in English and secondary education. So yeah, that's a little nugget. <laughs> it's a hey, it speaks volumes to one of the reasons why you are such a great leader, though, right? You are a teacher and a coach at heart. And I mean, you look back on it and really connect us to the athletics of business too. You look back on the people in our life that have connected with us the most, have had the deepest level of trust and the biggest impact on us. And it could be little league coaches. It could be softball coaches. It could be everything from our youth to high school to college. I have to ask you this, who was the coach that had the biggest impact on you? So her name is Jen Breslin. And in large part, my decision to become a teacher and coach was because of the positive impact that she had on me as my high school basketball coach. And I'm still in touch with her to this day. Yeah, she made a huge difference in my in my life, for sure. It's really cool that your high school basketball coach is still talking to you because mine's not and mine was my father. So that's- <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> just kidding. No, actually, dad's been a guest on the podcast a few times and just absolutely been amazing. But what was it about Jen? Like, what was it about her that had such an influence and impact on you that carried into your professional career? And I'm going to guess- into how you parent as well. Yeah. I think what it was about her, I mean, I really looked up to her as a kid. I mean, she was a great athlete at my high school and she was a role model for me. Then I got the opportunity to play for her, which was a big deal. You know, I think while I was playing for her, what I realized was that she really cared about me as a kid at the time, you know, and as competitive and and as tough as they come, everything she did was to help us in life, you know, whether it be in school or on the court, you know, it was always with positive intent. I mean, I can remember sitting, her sitting with me in her classroom after school before practice, helping me with my chemistry homework. She didn't have to do that. You know, that's somebody that I knew cared and, and somebody that I really wanted to emulate. You know, that's kind of why I got into teaching and coaching. I'm just going to say this and I have to, the next question I have to ask yeah. is, Obviously, I have some great friends, some peers, some folks that we work with that are in the recruiting space or your industry. And when they're out there searching for great leaders and high-performing leaders, high-impact leaders, they don't necessarily look for English teachers and high school basketball coaches. So how in God's name did you end up in the biopharma space? Yeah. So um, at the time, I had a friend that was working in pharmaceuticals, and I was interested in kind of potentially making a change. And he said, hey, we have an opening in the area. Why don't you just interview with my boss? I mean, I I did not have a resume that was suited to sales or biotech or pharmaceuticals, but I was like, you know, why not? I'll take a shot at it. So I interviewed and, you know, I hit it off with Tommy Murphy back in 2006 and got the job. And, uh, you know, I have to say, Tommy, he was my first manager and he really kind of taught me the ropes and you know, he pushed me to become a field-based trainer, which was definitely in my wheelhouse with like my background in teaching. And it really kind of furthered my interest in coaching and management. So that's kind of how I got into things. Is it safe to say that he was one of the first of, of several amazing mentors that you had in the industry? Yep, absolutely. Honestly, I've been so fortunate to have been mentored by incredible managers. I, I don't think everybody can say that. I really have been lucky in that regard. Who are some of the other mentors? So as I go down the line, so, you know, I mentioned Jen, Tawny, Amy Harmon. Again, you'll probably hear me say this as I talk kind of through the people that have influenced me, but I had still remained in contact with almost 
right? No, I would say all of them. And many of them are dear, dear friends of mine. And I think that kind of speaks volumes of the type of people that they are and the impact that they had on me. I mean, Amy was my manager for several years when I was a specialty rep. She was in the biotech industry for over 30 years in various leadership positions. In my opinion, she was a pioneer at female leadership. You know, one word I would use to describe Amy is real. And you always know, you know where you stand with Amy. And I, I absolutely love that about her. She's a great communicator, collaborator. And I think she had a unique ability to hold people accountable in the best way she could in, in a really caring way. And I think Amy was the one that really kind of saw my desire to become a manager and really helped me to get there. Can we back up for one second? She had the ability to hold people accountable accountable, excuse me, in a caring way. How would she do that? Like, what was it about her? Amy really takes a genuine interest in people. And I think you feel that from her. And at the same time, I think she's really clear on expectations and goals and responsibility. She was able to kind of have that relationship, but at the same time, check in on goals and help people to kind of reach the goals that they had set for them or, you know, her expectations, whatever it was. um, She was able to kind of like mold those things together, if that makes sense. Next mentor. Next mentor, Jason Bay, who we all know and love. An amazing podcast guest. Yeah. He'll tell you he has a great, he'll tell you he has a great jump shot, but. Anyways, we'll go on. So, <laughs> one of the best. And, and, and his his two podcast episodes were just just like this one. You talk and you you, you lose track of time because there's so much there. But yeah. and I and I, I'm interrupting you. I'm taking the mic from you for a second. But working with you, getting to know you. Obviously, I've known Jason for years, but getting to know you, the relationship that Jason and you have, and the impact that he has had on you. But I will also argue, and he will tell you this, you've had an amazing impact on him too, which speaks volumes to you. I can't say enough about Jason. I respect him so much as a leader. I mean, I followed him from one company to another. He hired me as a frontline manager over 10 years ago. What he has taught me about friendship, mentorship, and coaching is invaluable. I think first and foremost, you'll kind of hear me say this. I mentioned it with you know, Amy and Jen and Tommy, um, he took a genuine interest in me as a person. I mean, he came out to Boston. He got to know my husband. He took us out to dinner. He took the time to get to know me. And he taught me how important trust was and that it's really kind of the basis of all relationships, even in the professional setting. He guided me through my first critical conversations that I had to have and kind of really taught me how to do that. What was the advice he gave you? Like, in knowing you, and I mean this in a sincere, positive way, knowing you, you were really concerned with making sure that you had that conversation the right way, that you really delivered, that you really connected. What was the advice that Jason gave you in terms of that first critical conversation? So the first advice that I think he gave me was like, listen, it's okay to be a little nervous about this. I mean, that's human nature, right? And especially as a first time manager, I'm I'm having to have a pretty direct critical conversation. So that kind of made me feel at ease. And, you know, he had said to me, like, when I have to have these conversations now, even though I have experience, you know, I still get nervous. And it's because you care. You know, the, you want the outcome to be good. You know, I think that was the first thing. And then, you know, secondly, it was just be objective. As hard as it is, try to take the emotion out of it. Get the facts, be objective. And, you know, do you want the other person to know that your intent is positive? Do you want this to be a good outcome? And of course, there are circumstances where 
that might not be the case, but in the vast majority, you want it to be a positive outcome. And I think if you really plan, you're organized, you're objective, you think through things, you practice, the conversation tends to go a lot easier than you know you probably thought it was going to go. So he kind of taught me how to go about that really early on in my management tenure. It's awesome. And it, and it is amazing though, as you talk about each mentor, the overriding themes they care, they took a genuine interest in you, right? I just want to mention though, one of the other things that Jason really kind of taught me to do, and it was hard for me to do, was to be vulnerable. It's something that like, when I thought about being a manager, initially, vulnerability wasn't you know something that came to mind. It's really one of the most important things I think you can demonstrate as a manager, and and he really kind of taught me that. So, two questions I have for you: What was hard about it for you? Like, what was it? Was it the stigma? Was it the fact that you are had that athletic mindset from back? Just figure out what you need to do, get it done. I don't want to say suck it up, but you know what I mean, right? Just keep grinding, keep grinding, keep grinding, and you'll figure it out. And let's start with that one. Like, what was it that was a challenge? I think what it was, was I was taking over a team of people that had worked in the space before, and they knew more about the disease state, the market that I did. And here I am coming in with no management experience. I was more thinking to myself, like, I don't want them to think I don't have all the answers. I'm the manager here. Like, I have to have all the answers. And what I learned was, no, I don't have to have all the answers. If you surround yourself with really talented people with diverse thought and you say to them, hey, I don't know that. Can you tell me more about that? It makes the team at ease and it makes everybody feel as though you're kind of in a partnership. And, and that's how I try to manage. You know, it's for me, it's always been more servant leadership. Like, I want to be the catalyst to, my team's success. And I think, you know, the way you go about that is really kind of being a partner, getting in there with them. And, you know, the other part about it is letting them know that you're there to support them and and have their back. And, you know, kind of going back to Jason, I think he really was that as a manager to me. And it was so impactful for me that I really kind of wanted to do that for others. And as you got more comfortable with being more vulnerable, right? And asking for input, asking for help, I have to ask, what was that like with developing a deeper sense of trust with the team that you were leading now, the ones that have been there for so long, the ones that have been in space? What did that do for the relationship? They kind of put their guard down. I think they opened up more because I opened up more. And it took some time for sure. I spent a lot of time with each of them individually, getting to know them and what was important to them personally, professionally, what their goals were. And I think because I knew that about all of them individually, and I think what I tried to do is to kind of manage each individual. And of course, there's, you know, there are team goals and there's quotas and all of that that have to be met. But I think if you kind of manage to be individual while having that authenticity, while taking a genuine interest in each person, I think that they will get things done for you. That's been my experience anyways. And, you know, I think what I've always tried to do is advocate for the people that have worked for me and for lack of a better term, just have their back. And I think when people know that about you as a manager, trust is there. All right. Next mentor. So I mentioned her earlier, um, Mary Beth Howard. So she's one of my very close friends also. We started out as peer managers together 
over 10 years ago in a really high pressure environment, you know, we immediately connected with each other. I was lucky enough to be hired by her into another frontline manager position years later. And what I would say about Mary Beth, she's really a people first leader. You know, she too demonstrates servant leadership, vulnerability, trust. And I learned so much from her. When I worked for Mary Beth, I was a pretty seasoned frontline manager. I I had been in the role for quite some time. From the get-go, she had the confidence in me to kind of mentor newer managers. And that's where I absolutely fell in love with that role. And she was really a champion of me and my development towards an area sales director where I had the awesome opportunity to lead managers. I can't thank her enough for that. And I think one of the things that I really admire most about Mary Beth was just her selfless approach in her support of my recent decision. And I think that alone, it just really speaks to her as a leader. You know, you never want to lose one of your people, especially one of your people that, you know, you've had a a long-term relationship with. And she was able to kind of remove that and just say like, okay, you know, I support you because I know this is what is best for you. I'll never forget that about her. I'm going to take a step back into my, just something just popped in my head that is really interesting. Over the years, I've seen friendships come and go. I've worked with some of my very best friends. I've worked with people that I became friends with as we were on staffs together when I was coaching. It's not always easy. And that's something that you had mentioned that Mary Beth and you started out as peer managers together. And that's something that I get in the work that we do with our clients in the coaching is how do I handle this situation? Or what are your thoughts about this? Or the, how were you able to, Mary Beth and you and Jason, how were you able to navigate the waters of, yeah, we're really tight, we're really friends, but we're also in the trenches together. And there's going to be times we don't see eye to eye. There's going to be times we disagree, right? And there's going to be times, I mean, how did you do that? Because that is something that helps take your performance, believe it or not, I'm not speaking to you, I'm talking to the listener. It takes your performance individually, collectively, organizationally, to a whole new level when you find the ability to do that consistently. So what was it? Foundationally, I think we cared enough about each other as friends to make sure that that was always kind of the priority, right? Like we really cared about each other as people. And then, you know, secondarily, I think that we all knew that it was okay to disagree. You know, I think that we understood and had enough experience that we knew that it would make us better. You know, you go back to some diverse thought, you know, a different approach to things. Let's think about it this way. I think that, you know, it can only lead to a better outcome generally. So I think that was a big part of it. And then honestly, I think we had a ton of fun together. Um, I know that we had a ton of fun together. And that's really important, in my opinion. If you're, um, you know, you're working in a high pressure environment, intense situations, challenging situations, good situations, you spend a lot of time with the people that you work with. I think it's really important to take a step back and have fun. And you know, we definitely did that. Well, speaking of fun and speaking of relationships and being extremely close, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you the impact that Tim has had on your career. Maybe not as a mentor, but as a sounding board, as a friend, maybe in some roles as a mentor. Just watching you two talk, listening to you talk, besides the laughs, it's just really cool. You do not see this. You know, we had Susanna mention Susanna Matt Monahan on the podcast together. Just that conversation blew me away. When you find professional couples that are both extremely busy, both extremely successful, you have something special when you're 
able to celebrate each other, support each other, challenge each other, share ideas, ask questions and shut up and listen. What impact has he had on your career? A huge one. You know, I think I said it earlier, he's the best guy I know. He's always been very, very supportive of my career, even when it's been challenging. When we've said like, hey, who's picking the kids up from school today? Like you're on the road. I have this meeting. It was never an argument. We kind of just figured it out. You know, I think we're just a really good team in a relationship. I think we put each other's needs often before our own. I think because we do that for each other, we just have that foundation there that, you know, we'll kind of get through anything. We're able to kind of navigate things well as a couple. And my husband works in a pretty intense job. That's an understatement. Yeah, he does. And, you know, he works with a lot of great, talented people for a great company. And he has his own set of stresses that he deals with. And, you know, while I was working, I had my own set. And and a lot of times, like, we'd sit over dinner or whatever it was and kind of just talk through things. And I think what helped me, and he's probably helped me more than I've helped him, but uh, what helped me was, just like you said, being a sounding board, you know, I would say, like, oh, listen, I I have to have this conversation with so-and-so next week, and this is why I'm concerned about it, and this could potentially happen, and, you know, this and that. And I think what it is about him is he's very even keeled when it comes to those things. And I don't know if it's from, I've known him for 25 years. So I would like to say that um, my husband is older and wiser than most, but I think what it is, is his emotional intelligence is kind of off the charts, to be honest. You know, I think he's an incredibly self-aware individual and he's able to kind of just provide me with that perspective, you know, when I go to him with a work situation. When you get to be my age, you prefer people to choose wiser than- Wiser, not, yeah, not older. (laughs) No, but I mean, I think just his ability to have perspective, to just be even keeled, to be grounded, to think about things in a really pragmatic and thoughtful way has just really helped me in a lot of the, the situations that I've had to deal with. Every person you've mentioned, you've talked a lot about fun, right? And, and having fun together. How important is that to you? And you mentioned it briefly, but I want to touch on it. How important is it to you and to organizations and two teams to find a way to have fun? You know, like People think working hard and grinding and going through the process and fun are mutually exclusive when it's the complete opposite. Can you talk into that a little bit? To be honest, it's right up there with being the most important, in my opinion. I mean, I'd love to have fun personally, professionally. But I think if you don't take that time to have fun with the people that you work with, you're going to be miserable. If you just focus on work all the time, like I said, you spend a lot of time at work. You know, you need to take a break and and really just take some time to do whatever it is that people enjoy. You know, it, it's probably different for, you know, everybody, but I, I think it's really important. A lot of times you're dealing with stressful situations and and environments. And you just kind of need a breather from that sometimes. So to move forward a little bit, the thing that not only you enjoying yourself and having so much fun, the thing that I admired about you as we got to know each other was your leadership style, right? And your approach and how you went about things. How would you describe that to the listener? Like, how would you talk about someone said, hey, how is it that you do things as a leader? Yeah. So I think it's, it's probably not one or, you know, specific description of my leadership style, but 
I would say that it's probably one of servant leadership. You know, I think I've developed this style because I've been fortunate enough to be the recipient of it. And I think that it works. You know, I mentioned this earlier, but I really, truly have always seen myself as a catalyst to the success of others, to the success of my managers, to the success of my reps, just to success of the people that I'm leading. You know, I think the foundation of all of that is trust. Like I said, you know, I, I feel as though people know that you're there to support them with positive intent. They will get it done. And I think another thing that's super important is just the people that you lead, knowing that you care about them personally as well as professionally. One of the most recurring themes of conversations I have with leaders, regardless of their level of leadership, okay, whether it's frontline, a director, executive, regardless, is the challenge of the individual that has the ability to do it. They're not self-selecting into the culture of the team. They're not an awful teammate. They're a little bit of a swirler, right? Not an awful teammate. They're certainly not a great teammate. And they do just enough to not find themselves on a pip, or they do just enough to fly underneath the radar. I have you here. I have to ask you this question though, okay? Because I'm having a conversation about this later this afternoon with the client. What was your approach or what is your approach with individuals like that? So I think in that situation, I think what you have to think about is the team, right? So if everybody's on board with the goal um, and everybody's on board with working hard and being successful and you have one outlier, that's going to bring the team down. So as a manager, I think first and foremost, you you have to have like the collective in mind, right? So I think what goes into it first is observation, kind of identifying exactly what it is that, you know, this individual is doing, where are the gaps? How is it impacting the team? And then I was once told as a new manager, if you see somebody taking a cookie out of the cookie jar, tell them they're taking a cookie out of the cookie jar. So as hard as it is, I think you have to sit down and have a conversation and nip it in the bud early on. You know, and I think as long as, like I said, when you're having these conversations, as long as you're objective and the intent is positive and the individual feels as though, you know, you are looking for a positive outcome for them and the team, I think that generally those conversations go well. And I think the other thing you have to be careful of, and I think, you know, a lot of people fall into this. I certainly fell into it. If you have somebody on your team, you know, that is not meeting expectations, what tends to happen is you spend a lot of time focusing on that individual, right? And that is a trap. And while you certainly have to spend some time with that individual, you cannot neglect the ones that are doing everything right, right? You have to continue to recognize them to continue to support them. So that's something I learned, but it's hard. It's hard to balance that. It is hard, but I'm going to make it more difficult for you right now. Okay. Let's say they've attached themselves and one or two other people on a team, right? Yeah. Maybe someone that's newer to the team or maybe someone that's underperformed for a while and just survived and they know that they're being watched and you have like this little click. How do you handle that situation? And this one or two people are negatively influencing the new member of the team. You just kind of have to stay above it as a manager. Again, you have to make sure that it's not impacting the team as a whole, right? And if you do find that it is impacting the team, then it's a conversation with both of those individuals, probably individually, and then together. And and I think what, you know, the conversation is, is listen, this is a situation that I'm finding myself in as a manager. These are kind of your behaviors that are problematic. And this is kind of the result of your behaviors on the team. So, you know, my job is to ensure that this team is successful. 
how can we kind of address these gaps that I'm, you know, seeing with you to ensure that the team is successful and that the team culture remains a positive one? I love it because it's, it's something, honestly, it's front and center for me often because I know the conversations coming up, like as I prepare for the week and the coaching conversations. Yeah. I, I have this conversation often, you know, so, so many times. But now, what is it that you are so excited about joining the Molotov Group? I know what we're excited about. Amazing human being, amazing leader, just a complete difference maker. But what is it about the work that we do that has you excited? So I think the biggest thing, obviously, as I mentioned before, just the brand itself resonates with me. I think it's awesome. I love it for a lot of different reasons. I think what excites me the most about joining the group is that what I love most about leading people is just being able to kind of help them through those those critical conversations, help them motivate their team, help them create a culture within their team. And I think I'm able to do that here. And I'm still able to prioritize my family, which is the most important thing to me. So I'm able to kind of have this career that I really love. And I think the best parts of this career that I love, and at the same time, be fully present for my family. So cool. Being able to do that is so rewarding. Now, we work together, as we mentioned, I have mentioned several times. What was that like for you? Was that the first time? And I never asked you this. Was that the first time you had worked with a coach when we started working together or had you? Nancy yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what was that experience like? like? What did you pull out of it? What was it that benefited you? What yeah. were you not sure of going in, but then you were okay of on the other side? Tell us about that. So I think you mentioned- I'm not, and I'm not trying to get you to say that I'm a wonderful guy or anything like that. I just want- Yes, I just want to listen. No. I just want to hear the listeners, you know, talk about you because I, it was just really cool to see. I wouldn't even call it progress, but to see you evolve into what you brought to each conversation. And each one, we got a little bit more crystal clear on all the different things that were going on in your world. So I'm sorry, I digress. I get out of the way. What was it? What was it like? No. So I think it's fair to say that you and I connected immediately, and that I think my executive coaching sessions with you came during a time when I was managing through some change and I was struggling with some work-life balance. And, you know, the timing was probably ideal. You know, I felt as though I could trust you early on. And that's really important to me. You know, if I didn't have that, you know, I don't know that we'd be where we are today. And I think they helped me with decision-making, perspective, critical conversations, motivation. You know, in a lot of ways, they were pretty therapeutic. And just being able to talk through how I was approaching things as a leader, I think was just really helpful to me at the time and making sure I was showing up for the people that I was leading. That was really valuable. So I'm really excited to be able to do that for others. Well, I'm excited for you. And now I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the leaders that you'll be working with because you are one of the most amazing human beings that I have ever, most sincere and genuine that I've ever and I'm proud to call you a friend. I'm proud to call Tim a friend. And we're going to have a lot of fun together. And Kate, I can't thank you enough. I know you have 8 million things going on. And let's have some fun. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. Ed. Thank you so much. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks for everything. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to what the future has in store. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Athletics of Business. Be sure to give us a rating and review so we know how we're doing. For more information about the show, visit theathleticsofbusiness.com. Now, get out there, think, act, and execute at the highest level to unleash your greatness.